You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today on the podcast, let's get our basketball fix, and we have enough news to get Derek Piper back on the line, back on the podcast, because uh, we got schedule to break down, Derek. Everyone loves their schedule release shows, right? <laughs> we got to love these. Uh, a little bit of recruiting news, and then I'm just going to throw, uh, this is an old school radio segment we used to do. It's called This or That. Um, we did this on the on the radio show. Uh, I just kind of throw two things at you, and you tell me which one you think is going to be right. So uh, we'll do that a little bit later on. But what's up, man? Uh, we're getting we're inching closer to basketball, and I think we're we're getting a little bit of workouts. But that twenty hour week is is coming up shortly here. Yeah, for sure. I know we'll have Big Ten media days early October, about two months away, a little bit less for the season opener against Eastern Illinois, and. Starting to get into basketball mode. I know you guys on the football side, tough loss against Indiana. Hopefully Illinois can bounce back against Virginia, keep the interest up and, and try to push this thing along. We don't we don't need it another September where you're saying it's is it basketball season yet? Let's and just drag out that weight. Uh, but you know me, I'm always excited to talk hoops and, and we're gonna do that today. But yeah, curious your thoughts on a big game coming up on Saturday against Virginia. Well, I got to ask you. You're the guy who always w- wins the prediction game. Uh, the basketball <laughs> guy always wins the prediction game with, with football, and I never hear the end of it. But that's fine. I got. I hate the prediction stuff. I, I know it's entertaining for people. Uh, I think this is a toss-up game. I, I really do. I think Virginia obviously has the quarterback advantage coming into this one, the, the passing game advantage coming into this one. But as hard as that one was against Indiana, like there are things I like about this Illinois football team. Just stop, just stop shooting yourself in the foot, right? Like just and be able to score points in the second half. Like even against Penn State and Minnesota, that was an issue, all right? It, and the defense made enough stops. Uh, so that's that's my big thing. So, but we we got to know where you're leaning. You're the you're the crystal oh, ball man. guy here. Yeah, some of that's luck, let's be honest. And some of it has been just fading Illinois, which I'm not trying to do as much because I believe, as you've said, you believe in this coaching staff a lot more than Lovey Smith. How could you not? I'm in the same boat as well. And it's interesting that Vegas has Illinois favored by as many many points as they do. And That makes me uh, real uncomfortable, he, like picking yeah, against right. them, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. I mean, Brennan Armstrong is, is really talented. You can't ignore the, the 400 yards and five touchdowns he put up on you last year. Ryan Walters will want redemption. I think that he'll have a good game plan going forward. And if you could run the ball, which it seems like Virginia's front seven and just run defense is pretty soft. And Chase Brown has been amazing. That's been your guy for a long time. And, man, he he looks all the part of that NFL prospect you've been tabbing. So I'm leaning Illinois, to be honest with you. you got to check out all the, the preview and predictions. Uh, maybe we'll differ. Maybe this will be the separator as far as uh, who will pull ahead in the standings. But 
You'll have to check that out on the Park. Yeah, I'm. St- people know on the pod already. I'm, I'm. I'm sticking to my preseason prediction, which was a four point Virginia win, which some people might have saw as a hot take of, of being closer than they expected. But I'm going to stick with that. I don't want to make huge, you know, changes. But I would not be shocked if Illinois wins. But that's enough football talk on a Piper podcast. Uh, the schedule dropped today, Derek. I am the least excitable guy when it comes to the schedule release show. Other than that, I can tell my wife. Here's the schedule. Here's what it looks like. Um, but it is fascinating, right, to, to see how this plays out, what the schedule will look like. Uh, so the Big Ten finally releases the dates. We already knew the opponents. We knew Illinois had an advantageous schedule. I'll, I'll just reiterate this uh, for, for people who don't know. Out of the eight teams, uh, the seven of the other eight teams that finished top eight in the Big Ten last year, Illinois only plays the two other teams twice, uh, and that's that's Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, so that's very advantageous. They get the four bottom teams uh, two times. But as the schedule lays out, Derek, what was your biggest or biggest takeaways? I first want to ask you, are you more excited by schedule talk or jersey talk? Which jerseys they're going to wear or – how the schedule breaks down. Which one gets you more piped up? Yeah, what what uh, what has a big? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I enjoy jerseys. Like, I just the the hot takes about them uh, sometimes a little bit much for me. But I think Illinois basketball is in a great place with, with jerseys. So uh, once they got rid of the zigzags, once they got rid of those those old school ones, I the think gray it's, alternates too. We don't see those anymore. Yeah, I don't need that. Uh, I was over that the first time football did it, but. Um, yeah, I think football could use a little bit more consistency, and I think Bielma's trying to bring that. But basketball, man, like the script, uh, the throwbacks there, and the script flying Illini jerseys, you should never have to change that again. Like they don't don't ever complicate things. Those should be your main two jerseys, I think, moving forward. So I think I'd rather talk jerseys at this point because Illinois basketball is in such a good place with them. Because uh, the schedule is the schedule, right? Whenever you play a team, you play a team. Sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. But I understand the interest in it, right? It's it's fun to think of what the end of this schedule looks like, what the what the middle look. You know what I mean? I can understand that. And plus, you want to know when you can go see a game, so I get it. Yeah, no doubt. And on that note, it is fun to at least now that Illinois is in the mode for their fans to think about winning a Big Ten title, defending, trying to go back to back, and what that closing stretch will look like as you're trying to seal that. And we'll get into that as we go in terms of it is a challenging end of the schedule. Uh, and then also the beginning. We knew that the non-conference was going to be a test when you have the, the main event out there in Vegas with UCLA and then either Baylor or Virginia. You got Texas with the Jimmy V Classic. I didn't know. I thought that the Big Ten games would come after Texas and you get two in a row because that's what we've seen here in the past. But actually slotting in Maryland, the one place Brad Underwood has not won on the road in the Big Ten. So you're going to go UCLA, Another game in Vegas. You get Lindenwood in there, and then the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Go to Maryland, play Texas, and that's kind of a four- or five-day stretch. We're going to have Maryland on the road and then Texas and New York in the Jimmy V Classic. And Penn State at home is a favorable one early on for your first Big Ten home game. But uh, we could break it all down as far as the, the details. But it is always intriguing to look at different pockets of the schedule, especially for a team that's that's new and going to be – trying to vibe together and gel early on. I think that this stretch late November into December is really going to say a lot about them and how quickly they can get it together. And then uh, also there's a soft part there in, in the middle where, to your point earlier on, you're, you're going to take advantage of getting some of those bottom-tier teams mixed in with uh, the rest of your Big Ten schedule. 
Yeah, Derek, you hit on it. I think they have an early prove-it month, right? They get a, a, an exhibition, and then they get three uh, non-conference games against lower-level opponents. I'll call them cupcakes. It's okay. Um, those those are bye games, right? Uh, and then it, it gets real in, in a hurry. You're going to find out at least how talented you are, um, but you're also going to find out how together this team is. Because I think we we both know they're going to have some hiccups early on because they got to find a way to gel. they got to find these roles. But as you said... November 18th to December 10th, you have six high major opponents in seven games. UCLA, one of Baylor or Virginia. Those are all ranked teams, right? Syracuse, at Maryland, Texas, and Penn State. Um, so I think their capabilities and, and kind of the cohesion of the roster is really going to be tested, which is fun. Like I, I love this non I love Brad Underwood era non-conference now that they're winning games. Like this is this is a lot of fun when you test yourself like this. You're invited to things like the Jimmy V Classic and the uh the main event, right? Like these are these are premier opportunities to get better, but also to be seen, right? Like these are great recruiting opportunities too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you throw in not only roles for guys on the team, but new playing styles at both ends of the floor and how that that mixes in and Brad has always said it. I want to find out early. I want to find out what I have. I want to find out how we respond to adversity. And I don't want to be sitting in December or even you know early January having not been tested and all of a sudden we're gonna get punched in the mouth. And and yeah, for it's fans happened. and for us. It's happened yeah, the last couple of years. Arizona yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, you know, a couple of years ago they were nine and five and we're thinking, what do they ha- what do they have here? And then of course last year, starting off the season two and two, Kansas City is a low point. Yeah, actually, this is one. It'll be tough to do against the schedule, but starting faster would be something that the fan base would certainly enjoy. But it's going to be a challenge because of all of the reasons that we just gave. But uh, I think that that's a good opportunity for them. If they were to win a big game in Vegas against UCLA, who's going to be probably uh, a top 10 team. You look at Bart Torvik, and those are all four in the field are top 20 teams. UCLA and, and Baylor is going to be probably preseason number two. So, uh, that's going to be a, a big opportunity. Texas is currently projected in that top 10, top 15 caliber range when you're going to face them in, in New York. And, I mean, the Jimmy V Classic is always one of those marquee non-conference events for college basketball that people, you know, it's gluing, it's getting eyes from all over the country. So, to your point, exposure is going to be a big deal, big opportunity for you there. And then just finding out about your basketball team and trying to put some wins that could really move the needle when you get to – to March and you start talking about your resume and what seed you're going to be. Uh, those are big opportunities, but also big tests because if you take a couple losses and you're starting to worry about uh, you, they, this team's going to have a new leader, a couple new leaders, just kind of a, a new group together. How do they handle that? You don't have the Trent Frazier's of the world. I would assume moves to kind of write the ship. As you said, when they face some of those Rocky uh, stretches in the past, I think that'll be really interesting. One note I will say I think you're probably – a lot of people were disappointed. I think people even around the program were disappointed. You got Syracuse in the Big Ten ACC. You didn't get Duke. You didn't get North Carolina. You didn't yeah. get one of those marquee ones. Now you're probably like, thank you. Thank yeah. you we don't have to throw one of those in already with what is already going there in, in yeah. late November into December. What I love about that game is you should win it. Syracuse it shouldn't be very good. But they should be talented, right? They're usually talented. And it's just a different look. Like it, it's It's something where – I think it plays to your advantage when you have guys like Coleman Hawkins and Matthew Meyer and, and Dane Danger and good passers, Ty Rogers, all that. Um, but it's it's just different. It's something different you have to deal with that you can at least have in your experience there. Uh, I always look for break games here, Derek. 
Um, and, and two big games are while students are on break. That's what I mean. Like students not in school from you know mid December to to mid January, they start school. I think January seventeenth, eighteenth, and there. Well, the two games before that, Wisconsin, Michigan State. So you and I know sitting courtside. It's a heck of a lot different in, in State Farm Center when students are there compared to, hey, when all of us old people get to sit in those seats, which are pretty sweet, right? But we're not as loud. We're not as obnoxious, uh, certainly not as obnoxious as some of the Orange Crush members. Uh, and, and it makes a difference. So I, I some it's always going to be at State Farm Center. A, a, a home court advantage is certainly different. So those are two big games, obviously, with Wisconsin, Michigan State. So um, I think you'd rather have a Penn State or, or a Minnesota or somebody there. Uh, you didn't get a break, I think, in those break games. Definitely agree. We saw it even last year, I believe, that Purdue and even the Michigan game were break games. Now, it's, the Orange Crush members are given a chance yes. to buy those tickets, and they get those opportunities first, just whether or not it's going to work out to whether they're going to come back to campus early. And I think that a game like a Michigan State or even a Wisconsin, depending on which is the later one, maybe you get a bigger draw student-wise. I think we saw that for Michigan. A lot of people wanted to make sure they were in the building for Hunter Dickinson, even though he didn't play. And That is that is that. a difference of, of now, right? Like of uh, when the team is good, those students get yes. there a couple days early for a basketball game. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, you, you would rather play a game where you feel pretty good about winning and, and don't need that extra push of the Orange Crush, at least just to make a an opponent feel that environment that, you know, look, when the program's been back, it's it's been at a high level and been one of the tougher places to play in the Big Ten. And, yeah, Wisconsin, Michigan State, big big challenges coming in. Uh, more weekend games for – for fans, I mean, as a, as a media member with family, I kind of like having the, the weekday games. But uh, for fans, I get it. Like having a Friday, Saturday night game or day game, like those you can center your weekend around. Maybe the kids can go, all of that different stuff. Uh, last year, you only had two Friday and Saturday Big Ten home games, Rutgers and Michigan. This year, uh, you get Penn State on a Saturday, Wisconsin on a Saturday, Michigan State on a Friday, uh, and Rutgers uh, on a Saturday. So, so fans get to enjoy that. But, Derek, you mentioned the close. Uh, Illinois needs to take advantage of its strength of schedule, which is not very strong, as, as Isaac Trotter broke down uh, up on the site right now, uh, because the final five games are not easy. You have Northwestern at home in the middle of that, but you travel to Indiana, and you and I know that's one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten. They should be pretty good, right? Uh, very talented team. You travel to Ohio State, which has never been an easy matchup for Illinois. I know you're high on Ohio State. Your boy, Robbie Hummel, is high on Ohio State as well. And then the season finale couldn't ask for anything better. Illinois traveling to Mackey Arena, which for my money has been the best atmosphere in the Big Ten. I never thought someone would top Indiana. Purdue and Mackey have topped it the last couple years. Just electric in there. The students are nuts. And then you have Michigan at home. Involved in all of that five games. So if Illinois wants to win the Big Ten, they got to take advantage of the early schedule there because the end of the schedule uh, is going to make them earn it. Absolutely. And it's going to be a fascinating end of the season. You get Dickinson and then Zach Eady as your last two games. And for a team that now obviously doesn't have Kofi Coburn, uh, we're talking about what life after Kofi's going to look like and how well this team handles it. Well, there's your your big chance. you got a lot of time to figure it out throughout the season. But Dickinson to, to – play in Champaign against Illinois and finally have the fan base get to, to see him up, up close and personal. Maybe you don't want to see him this year because Kofi's not there uh, to get the better of him, which he has in, in, in most of those matchups. But then also, there's no doubt about it, Mackey's been the best environment in the Big Ten for the last five, seven years, however long we've been on this site. Through that stretch, Mackey's been the best. And uh, to close things out there, 
it will be interesting who Illinois is in that mix, which I imagine they will at least be in contention for a Big Ten title at that point. Indiana has a brutal stretch to close out as well. I wrote down their six of their last seven. They get Michigan twice at Michigan State, at Purdue, Illinois at home, and Iowa at home. So they they've got a gauntlet as well. But yeah, I mean the the Illinois at IU game is going to be one to circle too, and it'll be a, a quite a thrilling push down the stretch and, and we'll know a lot more about this team I think to that point uh, Illinois I think it's good to have a challenging especially on the road for a team that could take some time to mesh by then they'll be plenty battle tested they'll know what the roles are and what the ideal play style is and be able to figure some things out and Rod Underwood teams have surged late in the season I think that if you're an Atlanta fan trying to look at them getting another Big Ten title that would be a way that I'd look at it as far as positive I was just thinking about this, Derek. I was looking it up. I don't know if the odds are even in yet. Um, but who's going to be the odds? I mean, Indiana probably the odds-on favorite to, to win the Big Ten, but that schedule of theirs is, is – you just mentioned, they play the bottom four, they play once, right? Like, they have the, the, one of the toughest schedules uh, in the Big Ten outside of, like, the Northwesterns of the world that can't play themselves. Um, I'm looking at the national title odds of the Big Ten teams from, from June – and Michigan was the top one at that time. I think that's changed with Houston and um, Diabate gone. They had Illinois next, Indiana next, Purdue, Michigan State, Ohio State, Iowa. Uh, man, I don't know if I'd, I'd bet on a team like if it was plus three hundred or lower, right? Like I, I just don't. I think it's going to be such a fun ride because I, I do think Indiana. If you're if you're going on paper, probably the highest floor. But do they have the highest ceiling? I mean, last year they won nine games. I know they're talented. I know they they get some key guys back. But I still got to see it with them. And I just don't know if they're head and shoulders above all these other teams in the Big Ten. I know you love Ohio State. I really like Iowa. Um, I'm with you. I think Ohio State's going to be better than people think. And I, if Michigan State would have gone to the portal, I probably would have liked to have picked them. But uh, they decided to kind of stay pat and have a good team instead of a great team. Yeah, Michigan State, maybe a piece or two away from being in that mix. Purdue, a point guard away, maybe, from being a team that you would predict as a potential Big Ten title winner. Not that they still couldn't do it, but there, there's a big question mark there. Indiana, to me, if I was – I've done my way too early power rankings for the Big Ten, not taking into account the schedule itself because of the high floor, because of the returners. I'd put Indiana as number one in the power rankings, but then you look at the schedule and it's – it's brutal for them. So I, I don't know. It, it, I don't know who would be the odds-on favorite. It's hard to say Illinois because of so many uncertainties, so yeah. many new players. Uh, one thing, you know, as you continue to look at it, in January when you're trying to map out how the schedule or how the standings are going to play out you know, early on, Illinois' tough games are at home and the road games, the first three road games in January, I think are Nebraska, Northwestern, and Minnesota, who are maybe the three worst teams in the league. So that certainly helps. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, it, it could be a number of different teams. I think Ohio State will be a lot better than people think. Iowa, I, you talk to people on the road this summer, and people in the Big Ten still think Iowa's going to be pretty darn good. I mean, even though on paper there some teams or some people don't like them as much as some other teams. But, yeah, it's anyone's guess. I, I don't know. It'd, it'd be hard to pick Indiana because of – wouldn't be hard, but it, there is that hang-up of the schedule – even though I think they are the most proven team. Listen, a lot of uh, Indiana haters are listening to this right now, so they, they hate that conversation. But I think it's fa- like if you're an objective observer, Illinois has a lower floor, right, than, than that team. I mean, this 
there's no guarantee this all works. Like all this gels and, you know, Terrence Shannon turns into a number one or Matthew Meyer. Those guys haven't had to do that, right? Like, so all these guys are playing different roles. I think Illinois' ceiling is really high. Um, just the talent, the way they play. I like how Iowa plays. Um, you know, I think Purdue's a tournament team. I think Michigan State's a tournament team. I think Ohio State could be interesting, but kind of the same questions about Illinois. Is how do these new parts uh, kind of gel? It's it's a Big Ten, Derek, that I'd love to have Illinois as like the dark horse, right? I got, they, they would normally be a dark horse because Michigan or Michigan State would be really good. Uh, Indiana could be like a fun pick to win the Big Ten. It's hard to find that team. Like there's not like Michigan is not that team this year. Michigan State is not that team this year. So all these teams that I kind of like, but I have big questions about. That's that's what should make it fun. Uh, we'll see if it's fun for the conference come March. But maybe maybe that's the key is to not have a lot of hype going into the season, unlike the last couple of years. Maybe maybe that'll be the difference. But yeah, that's as we look at the holes that different teams have. Indiana three point shooting. Illinois just being new pieces how do you adjust after Kofi you just go on down the line that's why you don't see a preseason I mean Indiana might be the only preseason top 15 team nationally from the Big Ten and I don't think that will be a consensus I think that some will have them outside of that and and definitely outside of the top 10 there's no you're not going to see any Big Ten teams in the preseason national I I think Indiana I think Indiana will I I think the hype train will carry Indiana top 10 they're 11th in the Torvik rankings Um, so I, I think people will want that like and I, I can understand. Yeah. I, I can I can understand people wanting to put them there. Uh but yeah, I think they'll get in there, but again, I think you and I like we know they can play defense. We we know they got some talent. Can they score? Can can they shoot? Like I still have to see Tamar Bates do that. I have to see can, you know, Geronimo do that. Can uh Hood Shifiano, who's not no or Hood Shifino, can he can he shoot? I mean, that's not his mm-hmm. strength. Like so at some point you have to score points. And Indiana still has to prove that. Yeah, definitely. But I think that to what you were saying about Illinois fan, Illinois fans are definitely they're not the only fan base that's whoa, 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 really Indiana barely made the tournament last year. They not beat Michigan in that put in that early game in the Big Ten tournament, probably wouldn't have made it. Indiana, if you're trying to think about things for them to go right, same thing with Illinois, where if Illinois is gonna say, Well, we have Terrence Shannon and Meyer, proven college players power five all-conference type of guys but then if you start saying well sky clark well if you're going to give illinois sky clark then jalen hochefino who's ranked a little bit higher than him probably gonna be pretty darn good for indiana too you would imagine and they have xavier johnson they have trace they have race well and as much as illinois fans want to talk about rj melendez and coleman hawkins which they should they should be excited about those guys Indiana fans can equally be – I mean, Alice, Geronimo was playing great at the end of last year. Tamar Bates is a former five-star prospect that they think can can take another level. And they have Trace Jackson Davis, who's better than anybody uh, on Illinois, at least at this point. So, yeah, they have reason to, to buy their team. You have reason to buy their your team. Uh, they're a little bit more proven together. Uh, Illinois still got a show. I think that'll help Indiana be more consistent and be and we've seen that with Illinois when they've been the more one of the more experienced teams in the Big Ten you have guys that have played together for a long time and they play good defense Illinois a big part of them having this type of success they have in conference they've been one of the better defensive teams in the league and that's allowed you to be consistent night in and night out I think Indiana will just have more consistency but again it's the schedule is going to be tough for them even their non-conference I mean they get they get North Carolina Arizona and Kansas all in the non-con so that's fun uh, 
It is fun. It is fun. That's what the people want. Give yeah. the people what they want. Yeah. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Uh, quick uh, recruiting notes here, Derek. Brady Dunlap, top 150 kid, did not include Illinois in his top six. Uh, it didn't seem like Illinois pushed real hard there, but any takeaway uh, from that? Just continuing to be selective in this class, and I think that he was someone that they were still evaluating. I think if he decided to wait and be a spring signee, then I think they would have continued to be involved and watched him and kind of evaluate, you know, what is what is his value versus maybe someone in the portal as you start to, you know, midseason sometimes you start to hear some buzz about who might be available or just uh, just trying to evaluate what he is versus some other options. But him making an earlier decision, he's, he's a good shooter. Uh, he played on Bronny James' AAU team. They watched him a lot in July. Uh, outside of those two, their, their team was pretty bad. And so some of the – some of the shots he took he is just being on a bad team and his efficiency wasn't the best, but you do know that he's got size of six foot six, six, seven, he can shoot it. Uh, but ultimately it's Illinois knowing you're not going to take very many pieces because you can bring so much back and the portal could ultimately be where the better player is. So I think they're just being patient and uh, not too surprising. Uh, any takeaway, big takeaway from uh, your discussion with Amani Hansberry's AU coach um, who obviously had great things to say about it. Well, everybody loves him. That's no surprise. And they they just talk about how much of a winner he is, how hard he's worked. And I think it's interesting. And this has been a story that's been shared. I think Eric Bossy's talked about it. Or some of our national guys have discussed that Amani earlier on in his career was was bigger than a lot of people. He was just able just to out physical guys, and uh, that was the way that he kind of earned his reputation early on. And then as time went on, and one thing that stood out in talking to uh, the coach with Team Durant was. Amani wasn't in the best shape and he was something that he had to really get his body right to where now he is he's leaned up at 225 I mean he's still strong six foot eight 225 but um, he can he can move on the perimeter he can handle and those are some skills that he's developed over time I think it's always interesting to ask has you always been has, has he always been able to take the ball off the dribble push it uh, and it's it's kind of like no not not necessarily it's just something that he's worked really hard at and has known that you know, you're not going to be seven foot. You're not going to be six foot ten. You've got to do some things to to make your game more modern to the to the NBA game. If that's ultimately your your destination, or even just in college, to make yourself different, because you're not going to be you can't be a low block only guy at six foot eight. It's going to be a really hard path for you. So he's put in the work. Uh, he's he's very gritty competitor. And then yeah, it's just it's a guy that's improved continually and and produced and and here he is close to the top fifteen in Illinois. Yeah, I thought I thought his uh, background on just how he was a highly touted guy and kind of fell down the rankings, right? You and I have seen that, and a lot of guys that don't bounce back from that. He adapted. Right. Uh, he found a way to to change his game and to improve his game to become uh, an even better version of himself. So I think that shows uh, a little bit about his character, his drive, uh, and, and ambition to to be great at this game. And we know what uh, everyone else says about him, including you, our, our national analyst as well, thinks he's just a, a great piece and, and kind of piece you see uh, 
in the Izzo era at Michigan State all the time, kind of like Ty Rogers. Uh, one more before uh, we get into this or that. Malcolm Hill sticking with the Bulls. He's going to be on a two-way deal, which could pay him up to uh, half a million dollars this year. It's just a cool story, Derek, to see a 27-year-old uh, who, who didn't really sniff the league for a long time gets this chance due to COVID. All these players getting COVID last year, uh, and he gets it with the Atlanta Hawks, plays well against the Bulls. The Bulls sign him, and eventually he, he gets on the NBA roster. So to see, see Malcolm, I don't know how long his NBA stay will be at 27 years old, uh, but to see him get to this point, what an achievement. Absolutely. And Malcolm, I mean, that. I want to speak for you, but I know that you appreciated Malcolm when he's here at Illinois. One of the nicest dudes we've ever covered. Yeah. Just a fun-loving guy, super nice, was great with the media, and really darn good basketball player in terms of you look at the all-time scoring list. And I'll be honest, I mean, it's just fairly improbable in terms of the way I thought of Malcolm Hill and whether he'd be, you know, what his pro uh, prospects would look like. But I know how hard, how hard he's worked. He's transformed his body. He's a lot lighter now than he was. I mean, he's trying to play the four here at Illinois and bulk up and – uh, we were talking this summer. He was at Riverside Brookfield watching uh, his old Belleville East squad. And uh, I know that he was, we were reminiscing about, remember that one off season where he broke a rim? He like tore a rim off a, a backboard or something like that when he got stronger with Fletch. And, uh, but I mean, it, listening to how, I, I just know how much it means to him. And just also just something that he didn't really necessarily expect. He got a chance with the Hawks and then, uh, his you know 10 day contract was out and then the bulls called him and i was like how much you know what was that like he's like i was just going out there and playing and see what was going to happen and all of a sudden he's caught on there and uh, to keep playing with io i know that he respects io a lot and and it's really cool to have the illinois story there so uh, just to watch malcolm and the fact that a lot of line fans get bulls games on tv to continue to to follow his journey that's really cool yeah, it's a, it's a kid who's always mellow, right? And that might be really helping him through this, like that the moment uh, isn't too big for him. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Derek, I'm going to throw a bunch of topics at you, just random things to, to have fun as, as the offseason continues before we get into starting to practice. Uh, so this is a little segment we used to do in radio called This or That. So you just pick one of these, all right? More likely, let's start us off with recruiting. 
What is more likely, Illinois signs two preps in the, two more preps in the class of 2023, or Illinois signs no more preps in the class of 2023? I will say no more preps. I know that will bum people out on the Drake Gibbs Lawhorn front, which people. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying more likely yeah. uh, is none because I think two is is pretty unlikely at this point. I just think that. They'd love to get Gibbs Lawhorn, knowing that he's a guard that could come in and, and add to that backcourt. But I don't think they'll they'll push the envelope of trying to get three high school guys. Um, now, if things break a certain way, if they get Alex, Alex Tui from Australia, Gibbs Lawhorn, and Imani, they, they would be more than happy to be thrilled. They would they'd pull the trigger on that. But there are just more more outcomes where it, it goes the other way. You, you have hands buried. And I said it back in – I wrote it back in the summer yeah. – Based on the way that the class is, is you know, played out, not, it's not the strongest class in the world. You got a lot of guys that could come back. If they got Hansberry and no one else and went to the portal and did the rest of their work, staff would be more than happy. I still think that's the case. And uh, I think that we might see that happen, although I think that they're – I know that they're trying to be a big player for Gibbs Lawhorn. I think they're in a, a decent spot right now. Yeah, and even if that happened and say you had three guys in your front court go pro with Shannon and um... – Meyer and, and Hawkins, you'd have a pretty good sell, right? Like you'd yeah. still have Ty Rogers there, you would think, unless he has an amazing year. Um, you'd still have RJ Melendez, you'd still have talent there, Luke Goody, uh, but you could have a great sell um, to, to all these transfers. Dane Danger, I want to mention him too. All right, who scores more points per game? Terrence Shannon or Matthew Meyer? I'm going with Terrence Shannon. I, I know that this isn't a surefire answer. I think if you, if you pulled people around the program, you might get uh, I'm not. I don't know if it's a 50 split, but Meyer would get some votes for sure. And, and some feel like Meyer is more of a dynamic offensive player in terms of he can do more things. He's more uh, talented off the dribble. It's just something that he is more uh, apt to be able to do. Where Terrence isn't creating his own shot a whole lot. I mean, he can straight line drive with the best of them. You give him a, a baseline drive to to the rim, and he's gonna he's gonna dunk all over you. It's just kind of, you know, playing in a pick and roll. Meyer can do that. Shannon, you're probably not going to see a whole lot of. But I think for a team that's going to run a ton, plays right into Shannon's strength. He's developed himself into a really good catch-and-shoot guy. I mean, he was in the 94th percentile catch-and-shoot last year. Uh, So if you have someone, you know, whether it's Ty, whether it's Coleman, and that's the great thing about this team, other guys that can break teams down off the dribble, hit Shannon in the corner on the wing, he can make a three. And I think that with his back being healthier – we're going to see him get to the free throw line a lot more. And he's a 78, 79% career free throw shooter. So I like Shannon. Uh, I'm curious what, where you're at on this one, but Shannon is my yeah, vote. I, I would go Shannon. I think in transition, I think he's going to play minutes too. I, I just think he's going to play probably the closest to 30 minutes on the scene. Maybe him and Coleman uh, would be the top two guys there for me. He just reminds me, I don't know, I can't get the Nebraska guards out of my head from Tim Miles era, like Teran Petaway. I'm looking these guys up. James Palmer. He reminds me of like those guys uh, who end up going to Nebraska averaging like 16, 18 points. Illinois, he won't have to do that. I just think the ceiling, or the, the floor is very high for Terrence Chan. He's already shown he can average 12 a game. Matthew Meyer hasn't done that. I know he's on a great team, uh, but so is Terrence Shannon. Um, so I just think the three-pointers are a little bit more reliable with Terrence Shannon over his career, and I think in transition uh, he's going to be unstoppable. And I, I think he might get to the free-throw line more, Derek, uh, just because of yep. his strength. And uh, I would probably put him at 14 and probably put Meyer in the 12 to 13 range, probably put Coleman in the 11, 12 range, right? Like, um, And then another guy at 10, another guy at 8. Um, 
But yeah, I just I just think the 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 floor is already proven to be higher with Terrence Shannon, and he just seems like I'm just reading a lot of what you write, Derek. He seems like he's the dude, like he he's kind of the the guy who's who's kind of turning into the the leader, the whether it's the guy that's a work ethic leader, or just the guy people look up to is like, oh, that's our guy. Yeah, for sure. He's the alpha dog. That's been established early on. He did get here earlier than Matthew Meyer did, and Meyer was out a little bit with a back ailment of his own. Uh, but, yeah, I agree. I think everything you said there with, with Shannon, the way he can score, and then he's just – I know I, I hesitate. We've joked about this in the podcast. When Brad throws out Io, puts Io in the same sentence as someone, I was like, whoa, are you sure? Yeah. Uh, he said, you know, Io work ethic. I think you start to hear about leadership and just kind of pulling other guys his direction. And uh, we know that he's he's tough as nails too. So uh, that's – that's all boding well for Terrence Shannon right now. Let's be honest, Derek. That's why he came here. So it's, yeah. He came here to be the guy. So uh, I think that's a huge reason. All right. Who has a bigger leap from last season, Coleman Hawkins or RJ Melendez? I think Coleman will have the better season. I can understand if you were to say RJ would have maybe more room to leap versus what Coleman did last year. I'm still going to go with Coleman, though. Uh, Coleman being a projected NBA draft pick. And then also just hearing – and you take some of the stuff with a grain of salt in terms of offseason buzz. And, you know, Brad saying that Coleman had as good an offseason as anybody, but that lines up with what I've heard. Is he going to translate into games where some things slow down for him? He's less mistake prone. But we just know that Coleman has – and not to say that RJ doesn't. Coleman has so much ability to be just a really darn good two-way player. He's already shown it defensively. I think he's just continued to make that – a, a, on a nightly basis, he's someone that can shut somebody else down. And then offensively, he's got room to grow the three-point shot. I think he's got the potential to make the strides there. And then do more off the dribble to where he's more trustworthy to make those plays and not be out of control. I think I'm going Coleman, but I understand if you said RJ because RJ maybe has more room to jump. Yeah, I mean, I can see RJ going from, what, four points a game to, to nine, ten this year. Uh, that That's certainly a huge leap while Coleman is five to – you know, he had six per game last year to, to like maybe 10 or 11. Uh, but I do think it's going to be, we got to remember where Coleman Hawkins was in early February. Right? He was out of the yeah. rotation, like barely in the rotation. And then he turned into a starter and one of the best players on this team by the end of the year. So I know that's our last uh, kind of thought of who Coleman Hawkins is, but like that's still a very small sample size of what he was last year. So I think he should be an all big 10 defender. Like I, that, I keep saying that that needs to be his goal. And then if he continues over the last nine games, he shot 35% from three. If he just maintains that, Derek, and is a good rebounder and attacks the offensive glass, he could be one of the, the most unique players in the Big Ten at his length, his skill, uh, the ability to get up and down the court. I love that he doesn't have to be a go-to scorer on this team. Um, and, and the other reason I won't pick RJ is because Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer are here. Um, you know, that that's going to limit... Uh, his scoring ability, though I think we're going to see it in spurts. I could see a game RJ goes for twenty, the next game he only needs to score five. Um, but I, I still think Coleman Hawkins has the chance to be one of the best players in the Big Ten. I don't know if this is the year for RJ to be that. I could see that as his junior year. Uh, but I, I've always mentioned the DJ Wilson comp, and, and DJ went from role player, bench player, to all of a sudden. He was like the third leading scorer for Michigan, but he was just such a unique piece on uh, what was a Big Ten championship uh, tournament championship team that we saw in D.C. Uh, and uh, after that terrible oh, flight. Uh, but I, I, I still think it's Coleman. I agree with you there. 
All right, who starts more games? I think this might be the best question. Uh, this is a tough one. Dane Danger, who some people have slid into the five. I think we're starting to back off that a little bit. The hype, the Underwood offseason hype train is is calmed a little bit on that one. So Dane Danger or the hype man right now, Ty Rogers, who starts more games for Illinois this year. It's funny if you would have went back to May, maybe early June, some people would tell you that Dane was going to be the starting five man. And then it progressed to where oh, Coleman's earned that or is trending towards being the, the starting five man. Dane going to play significant minutes still, but off the bench as a five. I'll say Ty. I think Ty is already – I think RJ will get the nod. I think that's kind of the, the choice. Ultimately, you're going to have Sky Clark, Shannon, Meyer, Hawkins, and then do you start Ty, do you start RJ? I would imagine Brad goes with the veteran first and foremost – and then I think you're fine with putting Ty in a rotation off the bench with Jaden Epps and, and with Dane. And uh, But Ty's going to be hard to keep off the floor. I know Brad cares more about finisher finishing lineups than, than those that start. And it sounds like they want Ty on the floor to finish games. He doesn't, He's going to have to shoot the ball, at least show that he's willing and capable, I think, to, to make that someone that they don't just automatically dork, as Brad says. But Ty just – continues to trend in a great direction coming off USA had a really good summer and outside of the jumper he just does everything and I know you've you've stuck on that bandwagon early I'm yeah. sure you're on that one I mean anybody well. who goes sees Ty Rogers live like he I think he had like 11 points when I saw him and I'm like I want that guy on my team uh, I just I love everything about him uh outside of the jumper but like he can improve that and even if that's not a strength I think he can be a really good player the whole Dane Danger starting thing, I think it makes people nervous because Hunter Dickinson's in the conference. Zach Eady's in the conference. Um, listen, Kofi's not here anymore. You don't have a good matchup for him. And Dane will be important in those games, right? Uh, you could see, you know, someone else. Like, they, they need some big bodies to throw at those guys. But I also think about Zach Eady and Hunter Dickinson trying to guard Coleman Hawkins. Like, that is... I think it's a death lineup when you can have Coleman... Matthew Meyer, Terrence Shannon, R.J. Melendez, and a point guard. Sky Clark, whoever, you know, Jaden Epps. Like, that is so much length, so much athleticism. Iowa gave so many teams fits with those kind of lineups last year when they had the Murray brothers. Uh, and Illinois is even longer uh, and, and more athletic. Like, play that group. Like, Dane can come in, be kind of the relief pitcher, be the, you know, kind of matchup guy. Um, but going from zero minutes last year basically to all of a sudden being a 20 minute I just never thought that was realistic so I, I've always kind of been the Coleman starts guy we'll see what Dane does once he gets on the court uh, I just think that's such a tough matchup for almost every team in the Big Ten when you're that long everywhere so I will go Ty because I can see Ty pushing um, RJ at some point this season if there's some injuries you know Ty can step in and, and be that guy it's just you're so versatile I think versatility is your key. Dane can be a part of that, uh, but, man, that lineup with, with Coleman in there at the five, I just think is is awesome. Your death lineup, there's a situation where the point guard to that death lineup might be Ty. Ty, yeah. RJ, Shannon, Meyer, and Hawkins. I, some would say that if if Sky you know, is on the bench or if something were to happen with, with Sky's knee again, that Ty would get a lot of minutes at point guard, he might – and that's a group, in there a little bit anyway. That's a group of four shooters around him. It's true. You can make that work as long as he can handle. And I, I, he can handle. <laughs> he can handle pretty dang well. 
All right, let's let's stick with Ty here a little bit. More likely all fresh te- freshman team selection, Ty Rogers or Sky Clark. This is kind of tough because I know the media likes their counting numbers. And I know that Sky points-wise is going to have more than than Ty, I would imagine. And then especially if if we see the Sky Clark pre-injury or even just somewhere close as he's had time to rehab here through the fall, he's going to have time to get back to as close as he can. Um, and he's a very good shooter. He's good off the. He's really, really good off the dribble. It's whether you know, can he explode by guys and, and everything like that. Can, can I correct one thing? Uh, yes. we, we vote for freshman of the year. Us media, the coaches vote for all freshman team. Oh, it's a little, little. That's going to lean right in. I was going to pick Ty anyway. I was kind of just. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wasn't filibustering. I was just kind of breaking it all down. But uh, I think. Ty is a much higher floor, especially because of the injury with Sky. And coaches-wise, in terms of defense, passing, I mean, Sky's going to be able to rack up some assists too, but I I think Ty will – Ty will – I mean, that last note about coaches will really (laughs) boost him. I would just have a hard time picking Sky because I – coming off the injury, I think it's a tough ask to to be an all-Big Ten player. I think he'll be good, but – uh, I would trust Ty more. I just think he's riding so much momentum as he's going into the season with USA, with the summer. I mean, it's fair to say this is not the strongest freshman class, right? Coming into the Big Ten. Hood Shafino, um, Sky Clark, Ohio State, was it Sensabaugh, probably their top guy coming in? Yeah, like- they had three top 75 guys, but no one, I don't think anybody in the top 50 – Malik Renew is another guy at Indiana, the big man uh, that's, I think, right inside of the top 50. So, yeah, you don't see that that five-star like, a, you know, Diabate, Houston, Max Christie, which we've we've seen in the past. Yeah, it just it doesn't feel like the, the best – so I think they both can make it. It was kind of going to be my point. Uh, if they both play a big role on a potential Big Ten contender, I'll still go with Sky Clark because he's going to play a lot of minutes. Like, as long as he's yeah. healthy – um, he should be a, a ten, eight to twelve point a game guy, several assists, um, because they don't have another point guard. Like is Ty Rogers or Jade Nepps their their backup point? I don't know. I, I, I would imagine Jade Nepps plays it, and we'll get to him here in a moment. But there's really not another guy. Um, so they're they're counting on him, like kind of like Ohio State last year. Eventually had to count on Malachi Branham. I'm not projecting that year. Um, maybe he could eventually get to those numbers, but. Um, Sky Clark was a highly ranked prospect. If he's healthy, he's going to get a lot of minutes and he's going to play a lot So uh, and score. Um, so I'll still go with Sky Clark there, even though I couldn't be higher on Ty Rogers and what he's going to do in the line of uniform. All right, one more. That's even yeah, real ahead. quick. Like Chucky Hepburn last year had to play a bunch of minutes at point guard for Wisconsin. Yep, yep. And uh, he was all freshman team, right? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, Chucky was the last one. It was Bryce McGowan's Malachi Christie and Diabate. Houston didn't even make it last year. Um, all right, who averages more points for this Illinois team, Jade Nepps or Luke Goody? Mm. I'm going Jade Nepps. I, Just I more think role, Jayden, right? Yeah, I think there's more of a clear path to playing time. I know that one of the concerns out of the summer was his ability to make good decisions off the dribble as your playmaker. Like, if he's playing the point guard – in relief of Sky, you know, imagining he's comes he comes off the bench. 
how is that going to go? Can he solidify that he is the point guard? Because that will pave the way for him to get more minutes versus if it's like, you know, actually Ty is the better ball handler and we trust him to make better decisions. And maybe it's, it's harder for Jaden Epps to solidify how many minutes he's going to get. But I know that they just, they know he's a pure bucket getter and he, he can just score from anywhere. Uh, I know he's, he's been a bit of a volume shooter, but he can really get going. I, I imagine there are going to be games. He's not going to go Al- Alfonso Plummer where he's going to hit, you know, four threes and, or maybe he will. Well, but, remember Rocket Watts his freshman year? Yeah. Jay Neff's got a lot about that. A little bit of that, doesn't oh, he? Yeah. Like, uh, just certain games could look ugly. Uh, other games, you're going to be like, who's this kid? Like, why isn't this guy the starting point guard? Um, I think he's going to have a few of those performances. That's a good call. And I fell madly in love with freshman year Rocket Watts. I put him on my all Big Ten preseason the next year, and I look like a, a big dummy. But uh, Luke Goody, just because of the wings in front of him. I Nobody mean, was more <laughs> impacted by this offseason. Like, Luke had a starting spot when it was just five guys on this team. I really like Luke Goody. He does a lot of things that help you win basketball games. Might be the best shooter uh, on this team. He's just not as athletic and, and is good defensively, even though I think he's a really good team defender. But it, nobody was impacted more by the additions of Terrence Shannon and Matthew Meyer than, than Luke Goody. And when you think Melendez is probably going to have a bigger role than him, uh, it's just I think Luke Goody is going to be a very important piece of this program. But his minutes probably went from 25 in uh, April to all of a sudden, can he get 10? Can he get 12 minutes? I, I don't know. Yeah, it will be tough for him. Uh, I'm not necessarily doubting him because he will have the trust of Brad Underwood to do the right things, yeah. play hard, rebound, and make threes. And if there is a situation where Ty's playing more as a guard, that could open up a spot for Luke yeah. to play, you know, backup four man or uh, to to be on that wing in relief of Meyer and Shannon. But and you got to throw Melinda's in there as well. I just think that it is tough because of the traffic in front of him, and you're going to need guard play. And I think Epps is – I know it's hard sometimes to rely on freshmen to be efficient in that whole thing as far as scoring, but, I mean, that's his his best quality. I think he will come in and get some buckets, and I'll go Jaden Epps. And you know what I love about Luke Goody? Uh, he's going to be ready whenever they need him. Oh, yeah. um, and I, I I don't want this to be a segment that's like, uh, he's not that I, – I think he's really good. Uh, there's a reason Tom Izzo wanted him, and – I think he's going to be a really important piece. And I think it's a great thing when we're sitting here saying, man, how are we going to find Luke Goody minutes? Like, wh- wh- whose minutes is he stealing? Like, that tells you what Brad Underwood uh, is putting together here. All right, Derek, I, I didn't mention uh, Sincere Harris on here. The one thing I like about him is, man, he's bouncy. Uh, didn't mention Brandon Lieb on here. So sorry to the Lieb fans. Uh, it is Lieb season soon enough. Uh, and uh, Zachary Perrine, we're still waiting word. Uh, when he'll be on campus. So I, I don't want to not mention guys because when you don't not mention one of the 12 scholarship players, people ask why. So d- any thoughts on those guys? Why didn't you mention Paxton Warden? No. <laughs> That's my thought. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Got to get the walk on. Got to get the walk on. <laughs> oh, the fans keep us in check. But That's right. Yeah, sincere. There's going to be a game early where Illinois, maybe it's Eastern, one of those games. He's going to – it will be quick. The fan base will – will be big sincere Harris fans because he's going to either dunk on somebody or get in somebody's face and talk trash and he's just a real gritty player that needs to add strength and and it'll take some time for him to develop but it'll be easy to love my future comp is Tajay Moore who just killed Illinois uh, from Houston like that's my future comp it's going to take a while to get there if he turns into that I mean you'll 
you'll take that 10 times out of 10. Yeah. Um, and then we'll, we'll see on parent parade. We're still waiting a word on, on that. So when we have news on that, we will let you know. All right, Derek, that was a little fun. Uh, some high school or some, uh, off season hoops talk, but the season getting closer. Um, I don't follow him on Twitter, but I see people retweet that John Rostein tells us it's 62 days away from the start of college basketball season. So nice of him to update us all on that and can't wait for it, Derek. I think I got John muted, but I might, you know, have to, when it comes to news breaking season, then you got to reluctantly let him back into your Twitter feed, but. Who else you got um, on mute there? Oh, I got quite a few, <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if it's good to, to list too many. Yeah. <laughs> Derek, thank but you. yeah, always fun talking hoops, man. Great stuff as always with Derek Piper. Hope you enjoyed a little bit of basketball fix, get away from the football for a little bit, but hopefully uh, this weekend football gives you guys something to get excited about. Uh, I always call it, uh, Operation Prolong Relevancy. Um, I always say that. I've said that from the Tay and Jay years. Uh, it'd be nice if football gives us something to lead into basketball and uh, not have fans ask us, is it basketball season yet? Because that has been the case for far, far too long uh, with Illinois football. So uh, it, it's nice to have that as a warm-up. People get excited about it. We cover it. People read it. They want to listen. All those things. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, they got to prove it on the field in, in these next couple weeks and throughout the season. Uh, but always basketball season in Champaign. So we're happy Piper uh, could hop on and talk about the latest with the schedule, with recruiting, and just have a little fun talking about the upcoming season. All right. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. If you don't already, give us a follow, rating, review, wherever you get your podcast, And check us out on YouTube. If you don't already follow us, subscribe to us on YouTube. We do a lot of videos up there. I'm always on YouTube. Um, just kind of listen to music or watch videos. And sometimes you just go down uh, the rabbit hole of, you know, recently it's been succession reactions. I just did a huge binge of succession, which I recommend. Very, very, very good. Go Tom, man. That was, a, that was a big ending of season three. But uh, I like to watch all that stuff. So if you like the YouTube, go on there, follow us on Alana Inquiry, get all your interviews, our podcasts, some segments we do up there. Uh, so enjoy all of that. As always, thank you for listening to the Alana Inquiry podcast. Everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. Joey Wagner and I will be on here after the Virginia game, of course, and we will talk to you then. Okay.